welcome to the next Imbibe with the Tribe brought to you through the Thinkers Workshop. My name is Micah Gadea. I'm joined by Sean and Glenn so far. We might have other members join us. And if you're listening or watching later, please join us um, live on the call. We're here every week. Today, we are talking about fun facts about thinking. I was so excited to do this one. Um, I always want to say, listen to the podcast, listen to the Thinkers Manifesto podcast. Sean, you did an amazing job with that, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I've got 10 uh, little items. Sean, jump in anytime. I love the second one. We're going to start with the first one is when you are alert. So in the morning, um, when you're fresh out of bed, when you've just had a nap, um, that's when you're going to want to do your analytical and focused work. But when you are sleepy or a little bit groggy, that's when you're going to want to do your creative work. So one of the things that they said is like when you're done with your run and you're taking your shower or with you're done with the long days of work and you're taking your shower, when you have that brilliant idea, that makes perfect sense. Okay. I want to back up on that one. That's interesting because I am an early riser, Micah. I wake up and take my daughter to dance class very early every morning. And then I hit the office and I will say, I really enjoy, I guess I'm just because I'm old. I really enjoy waking <laughs> up early and getting into the office and getting things done because I am so much more focused on it. Yep. Now at night, it's interesting you say that because at night, I need to zone out. I definitely need to, okay, I I want to not have anything that is taxing on my brain. Yep. And so maybe that's where creativity, you're saying creativity becomes yes. accelerated? So every single one of these is, and I can share the article, is got scientific research um, and actual behavioral research done behind it. Um, so yeah, there are different parts of the brain are active when you're focused, right? So like in the morning, when you're just awake, there are different parts of your brain that are active. And then when you're like super tired, stressed out, you've been way too far into the ad work, then your brain shuts off those other parts and yes. other areas of your brain are opened up for more creative work. So that's when you want to like when you go into the shower, and you've got an issue or a problem, that's when you want to ask yourself, okay, um, this isn't working. Is there anything that I can think about to solve this issue? Fascinating. Right. Yeah. So when you're tired and sleepy or, you know, just at night, that's when you keep your notebook near you. Cause like, Oh yeah, yes. that's what I need to do. So anyway, yeah. So yeah. Watch your own personal cycles about when you're aware or, uh, you know, when you're alert Mm -hmm. And watch them when you're groggy and just mm -hmm. see if you can notice the difference between your ty the types of ideas and the types of work that you're really right. You got okay. one down. Let's go to the second. All right. Here's my favorite one. Stress, right? We all know that we need to limit stress. If you are overtly stressed for longer periods of time, you actually shrink your brain. <laughs> <laughs> and you want a big brain. So stop oh. being stressed. That's it. That's it. Just stop being stressed. <laughs> Like, or just continue to work hard to, you know, minimize the stress that's in your life. We know so, this on every physiological level. <laughs> as much stress as I feel, I feel like I should have a smaller head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about you and I, thought, I was like, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it made sense. The studies made sense to me. And I've heard it um, a couple different times now. Like, so your brain triples in size, zero to one year. Right. 
as we get older, our brain actually will minimize in size. So going back to that excellent book, Seven and a Half, uh, which you have right behind you, she did talk about that. There you go. Uh, She did talk about that in the book about uh, prolonged periods of stress, right? And their deteriorate effect. Because I do think, and this is to be fair, I think a certain amount of short-term stress is not a bad thing. And the reason I say that, because it does uh, require you to focus your mental energies in different ways. But long periods of stress, your brain does get tired. It's, it's. I mean, I. it just happens that, you know, if you have too many options you have to choose from and everyone has, you know, unknown circumstances, so you're dealing with factors that you can't uh, foresee, then you're just constantly taxing the energy of that you're, you're spending. And like any other organism in your body, if you tax it too much, it just does not work anymore. So it will not work. Yep. Yeah. I like that. I agree. No, no stress for long periods of time. Got it. Just try not to. That's when you get sick. Uh, Here's another thing. Everyone listen, please very carefully. You cannot multitask. It's not a thing. It can't happen. Hold on. I'm writing this down. I can't multi. Hold on. I got a thing. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. I got a multitask. Hold on. Hold on. How's Glenn doing over there? He's fine. All right. What'd you say? Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. So your error rate skyrockets when you're trying to do like two or three things at a time. And it takes, typically takes, and I don't know how tested this is. The error rates is tested. Um, Takes, it takes your tasks much longer to do if you're trying to do two or three. So here's the plug for the Thinker's Manifesto. I did talk about specifically about that, that even one interruption um, is equivalent to a 15 minute reset if you're in deep focus work, right? So it is dependent upon the type of work that you're doing, where if you are in deep thought or, you know, focusing on something and someone interrupts you in that process, it'll take you 15 to 20 minutes to come back into focus. So where you can get back to that state. So it is very disruptive. Now there's some things that we do that are kind of mindless, right? That meaning that it doesn't take, uh, our, uh, extreme mental energy or focus to accomplish. But for the most part, yes, you can easily get distracted. So, and uh, there is no such thing as multitasking. But that's not the real question, Micah. How do you convince your teenage kids Uh, not to multitask while they're sitting there? Because if you can find that, I think we found the holy grail of thinking. (laughs) We love our iPhones, but at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, when your kid's on the computer and they're watching a video, doing their homework and listening to that, I'm like, what is that? How are they doing that? Glenn, I don't know if you have kids. We both have teenagers. Actually, Sean, I think our kids are on the same. Mine are 16 and 18. Yeah, I got a 16 and a 12. So Okay. Yeah. My youngest turns 16 next week. Happy birthday. Um, But yeah, when he's doing one thing and then I see another screen at the bottom, I'm like, what are you doing? I know. Anyway. Anyway, that's the teenage brain. That's the world that they live in right now. Bah, bah, bah. But now, I think to be fair, to be, and yeah. I want you to go on, but I think to be fair, they are in a, their brains are so new, they are consuming everything. So they are much more avid consumers of information. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not saying multitasking that they can be effective in it. I just saying I think their brain craves as much input as possible, certainly sensory input, because they, they have new brains that are trying to fill up. So, all right, go okay. on, Micah. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> or at least naps. I convinced myself of that. <laughs> take naps, take a siesta. Um, it, it absolutely improves your thought process. That's it. That's all I'll say about that. Take yeah. naps. You have I- permission. If you're listening and you are an overachiever, probably like many of us in the Thinkers Workshop, you have full permission to take a nap. 
So I lived in Spain for when I was in high school uh, for a uh, summer. So I went on a summer program to Spain and, and the portion of Spain that we we're living in, in Salamanca, um, they was traditional Spain. So we would take siestas. Mm. And I will take now, of course, they don't have dinner till 10 o'clock at night. Okay. So, I mean, you pay the price. Okay. Yeah, and then you got to dance for two hours after. Right. That. Oh, yeah. Trust oh me. You God. go to a discoteca at, before midnight and nobody's there. <laughs> like you're partying until two. Uh, but I will say this that that reset, and I notice as I've gotten older because of the rhythms of sleep patterns that we have, that I have definitely noticed that as I've uh, aged, that around three o'clock, three to 4 30, there's definitely a tiredness factor that I feel, especially if I'm at home and not doing anything, let's say on the weekend, that I, I do need to take that break to rejuvenate. I think it becomes more pronounced as we get older, but certainly yes. we all have it. But to be fair, I think there's nothing wrong. I mean, you know, I remember my father, uh, he would literally just, uh, when he, he owned his own business, but he, he just closed the door at three o'clock and he took a 45 minute nap. And, you know, and so if you have that opportunity, that's great. But I think in general, you realize, you know, in the afternoons, especially, we need some time off. Yeah. And here's just another little sneak peek. You can um, just lay your head on your desk and set your timer for five or 10 minutes. Um, I think that that would also, if you're unable, unable to take a nap, um, just take that short little, you know, headrest on your desk. There yep. you go. So um, vision greatly increases our memory and thinking. So when you, if you are listening to the audio version of this, you are only going to get about 10 to 15% of what you're listening to. If you are watching us right now, I got my fingers up. Um, you will retain 65% more Ooh. of what we are sharing with you. So, um, you know, and we know this in your marketing, in your presentations and anything important that you're doing, please make sure that you're adding visuals um, images that make sense, images that connect the idea to the person. Visual senses are hugely important in our thought process and in our memory retention. Something I found over time on that is visuals don't need to be complex either. And I think we Correct. have, a, and I think we tend to default to complex visuals, especially if we don't understand a subject matter. We want to be somewhere where we, because we're, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. So sometimes we overcomplicate things. And, I, and I'm absolutely guilty of that 100%. But I do believe that, you know, when they say a picture is worth a thousand words, it is. Yep. I think sometimes just the art of a picture without any uh, annotation can do exceptionally well. And then in the case of annotation, <clears throat> keep it to one, you know? That's it. That's it. Um, introversion and extroversion. We will love this one. We literally have different wiring in our brains. What? Mm. So extroverts. And introverts have different pathways, which I love. Yeah. I love that one. So you're an introvert, right, Micah? Both. I'm right on. If you if you want to take the MBTI, which I think we threw out in our last book club, we're like, it's, you know, Harry Potter's sorting hat is right. just as accurate. But <laughs> according to the MBTI, I am right on that middle cusp. So a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. Yeah, I think everybody has a mixture of both. To be fair, yeah. I think some are more uh, lean one way than another. The more now that my, I've done. Yeah, my former spouse and older son, full extroverts. They need people in right. order to survive, which is why the pandemic has not been good for either of them. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, I think, because even entertainers, when they, you know, who are generally obviously choose a, a career where they are in front of people all the time, 
can become very extremely introverted when they're off stage. Oh, you know? they need, yeah. They yeah need because they have recharge. to recharge. And, and so I think it is easy, you know, when you look at someone like the late, great Robin Williams, right, who was just incredible on stage, but then off stage, she was the complete opposite. Like yeah. not engaging, not, and I think, you know, so I think we all need to be careful. I, I always get worried about labels of introvert experts, but I do believe that we find um, different things that appeal to us and, but we're not just one thing. We're not always extroverted. We're not always introverted. Love it. Love it. Yep. Um, be your awesome mistake making self like mm-hmm. Sean and I are. <laughs> maybe Glenn. Um, (laughs) People, they have done studies. They did different recordings of people, you know, one group would do a recording and someone would spill coffee and one group would do a recording and answer everything correctly. And the one that with the spilt coffee, coffee or the mistake was way more likable. So own, own it, own your mistakes and you will be more likable. It's interesting because the two things that come to mind, one, I, my wife sent me a great graphic recently, which is a cartoon of this uh, man holding up all these bricks and each brick is labeled failure. And he's obviously struggling under the weight of failure. And then the other uh, contrast was the man who had, uh, was creating a staircase up by taking each block of failure and moving them as a way to advance. And I do think, to be fair, the analogy being that some people are crushed by their failures Others use them as building blocks towards a better future. Um, and I think part of it is, is that appreciating that you will fail and you will be terrible at things. I mean, Micah always remembers when we did podcasting way back when I said our first 10 episodes are going to suck. We are going what? to be bad at this. But we, had, but, but, but we had the permission to fail, right? And we, we were okay with it because we knew we were going to be bad, but yep. we knew that we would become better. And that was the hope at the end of it, that through the process, owning your failure, which is the point that you're making that's a difficult, I will say that is probably harder than being accepting a failure because when you own it, it means that you are publicly okay with failure. And sometimes we're in environments that there are people around us that penalize us and make us feel bad uh, for failure. Well, we've so, talked about the school system before. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you get one wrong. Yeah. Right? And, oh, and you're you're, you're, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it, uh, owning your failure is both a, a public and personal thing. One, personally, you should be okay with it. You're like, okay, God dang it. I hate it when it happens, but I'm going to build from it. I'm not going to repeat you can't it. Do it. Stepping stuff. That's the internalization factor. The externalization factor is that can you have the confidence to admit, yeah, I was wrong. And I think that's environmentally focused. And I think it's incumbent upon everyone to be in environments where it's okay to say, you know what? I screwed up. Yep. Because then it gives permission to other people to own that they screwed up. And then we can say, okay, well, we screwed up. We know that's not what we should be doing. Let's analyze it and make something better. Removing the id, using the Freudian term, from the discussion of you are correct or you are wrong, you know, and the the negative or positive affirmations thereof. I'm forgetting her name. The lady who leads Spanx and has been so incredibly successful. Yeah. They have a huge policy about mistake owning. Mm-hmm. Huge policy. It's like encouraged. And so, yeah, and I've encouraged my children. And so, yes, learn to right. be uncomfortable with your mistakes. If you're not right now, I, I'm happy with mine. <laughs> I'm like, yay, <laughs> nailing it. Um, so, yeah, make mistakes. Three more. Meditation can actually rewire your brain for better thought processing. And I know this um, personally from doing yoga. I did not start doing yoga until later. 
and once I started yoga, I actually ended up looking younger, feeling younger, thinking better. And I, I mean, I had a full blown um, improvement in my life once I started doing yoga. And, and part of that was meditation. Um, um, <laughs> Everybody take one deep breath in through your nose. Yeah, it's, I think Out it's funny because transcendental meditation, especially when we were younger, was quite the fad. And I think there was different concepts of meditation that people don't necessarily truly appreciate. It really is just about taking some quiet time to oneself, yep. focusing on breathing, which is a huge part of the ability for us to control our adrenaline um, and to sit there and calm both mind and body at the same time. And it's not necessarily sitting on the couch in the lotus position, you know, sitting there chiming away on a Buddha spell. You know, it is this concept of being able just to take moments of time and reflection. And really the key component is breathing and focusing and trying to slow yourself down, which is always Definitely. damn good advice. Yoga, however, I had a yoga huh. story. Can I tell you my yoga story? Please. <laughs> so uh, a, a, great, uh, a good friend of mine who is a <laughs> yoga fanatic, she and I would speak at different conferences and she always do yoga. She was intense. Oh, I know her. Yeah. And I would tell Lisa is her name. And so I yep. said, Lisa, if you ever go to yoga, I would like to try it. So I go to a yoga studio. Okay. First off, I am the biggest person there by far. Uh, the clothes that I didn't have any clothes. So I had to buy them there. Look like a potato got wrapped in cellophane. Okay. That's how bad I look. So I go in there and I put Not my mat down okay. and one of the guys walks over to me and goes, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. Just concentrate on your breathing. <laughs> That's how the thing started. Needless to say, my friend Lisa, when I asked for the beginner class, oh. yeah, I don't think it was a beginner class, but now, I did her. it anyway. And yeah. I loved doing it. And while I don't oh. do it, I would absolutely do it again. I just probably need somebody to take me to a class where I don't feel like I want to die at the end of it. That's brilliant. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Everybody go try yoga. Even if you're, I mean, there was a male yogini, you know, male instructors. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, let's just take gender literally out of everything yeah. um, and do what you want to do and get healthier and think better. Truly. Um, two more. Exercise. Exercise more. Um, exercising actually can reorganize your brain and boost your willpower. I fully believe mm -hmm. that. That's yeah. it. How many yeah, times it, have I mentioned exercise on this podcast? Well, I think, but exercise, and there's different forms of exercise, right? There is the walking yeah. version of exercising where you are literally getting out, and that is fairly universally uh, seen as uh, uh, very, very strong, right? It's a way to sit there and, again, it's a form of walking meditation, if you will, because you are removing a lot of external uh, electronic distractions or people distractions and focusing on yourself and the environment. Um, the other types of exercise, and this is one thing that I found working out with trainers for many, many years, is that uh, it's not necessarily the length of time that you exercise. It's also the intensity of time. Yep. Uh, in fact, intensity actually matters more if you are really in earnest. So short bursts of high intense effort actually are better than uh, longer time periods of lack of intensity. So I used to, when the weather was nice enough, is I would go run up and down stairs. Um, which, you know, I'd mm. run up the stairs and then I walk down, run up the stairs, walk down. But that intensity that you have when running upstairs 
actually had, you know, really good therapeutic benefits because it pushes your heart rate up and it forces you to concentrate on what you were doing, which is fine with me. But I also think that when we hear exercise, I don't think people, I think it's either sounds too hard, too long, and it doesn't have to be just either walking. There's no, right. There's no clear definition. That's right. Yeah, that's true. I think a CrossFit, um, when I think of it. Well, yeah, but CrossFit, those people are crazy. Holy cow. Have you done CrossFit? Yeah, I have the whole thing set up. Oh, my God. God bless you, Michael. God bless you. I love it. I've got the medicine, 20 pound medicine. I've got it all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it's intense, it's quick, it's interesting, right? I'm not bored. You know, I used to be a runner, I was very bored. Um, All right, last one. This is really cool. And then, Glenn, I want to see what stuck out to you. Um, here's a trick. If you feel like time is flying, right? Like if you're like, oh my God, that day went so fast or, oh my God, you know, raising my Mm -hmm. kids, it's going, um, it's flying, learn something new. When we learn something new, we have to reorganize that new information and our perception of the world in that moment in time makes it feel longer. It's just a trick, but I'm guessing that it works. This is probably why my 12-year-old says school lasts forever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Six classes, learning all that new stuff. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I think that's the toughest part is finding the process that we are comfortable learning something new. I mean, so much of our life is uh, structured around productivity, uh, which is based on the assumption that you already have existing skill sets that you are extrapolating. Um, and you're right, learning something new, which is, you know, to be fair, I think the best way to learn something new is to read, you know, it has so many much more benefits because you learn a something new, B, you're in a quiet space, um, and C, you hopefully will be able to, uh, find, you know, a, a point in time where it's like, wow, this is, you know, my day has slowed down. Right. I don't right. know anyone who reads and go, man, my day is like crazy because I'm reading. I'm like, I don't think that happens. Yep. Yep. Now, last week we did talk about languages and learning sign language can actually help your spatial awareness. Mm. And so that is, but you would have to, that was not a reading thing. I don't think, (laughs) you know, to learn sign language, you can read and see the, you know, positions of your hand. Um, But that's probably more of an. What about language? Speaking of, I mean, what about just learning another language? Oh, hugely, hugely helpful in improving your thought process, learning a new language at any age. We learned a lot about that last week. Like, you know, I had always been taught that um, people in order to be fluent need to learn a language before they're 14 years old, but actually mm-hmm. research shows this before 10. Wow. I thought it would be later, right? So I love when my hypothesis is swacked. Yeah. Nope, nope. nope. All right, Glenn, you're here. I want to see what jumped out at you. What did you pick up from today's 10 facts? Oh, you're on you're mute, on- Glenn. Here, Glenn, hold on for a second. Okay. I'm going to take you off mute, buddy. No, no, here we go. There you go. Glenn, you're on mute. If he can press that button. No worries if not. No worries. Now, if, if you figure it out, let me know. So, Sean, I do want to point out that when How's we were that? talking about... Ah, uh, there oh, we go, hey, Glenn. Glenn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, 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 um, what jumped out at you today? Uh-oh. Oh, now we're now we're frozen. It's yeah, now we're frozen, right. Glenn. Well, Go ahead. Come back. So, Sean, I want to point out that when we were talking about the mistake part, 
you remembered a a visual that your wife had sent you, mm-hmm. right? So if you had read those words or heard them, you may you probably never would have mentioned mm-hmm. that. That's right. Um, but you saw a really cool um, visual image. That's right. That helped you remember that. So I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah. That so. that still goes kind of to one of your points there. Yeah. They, all right, Glenn. Let's see if we can get Glenn in. Unmute, buddy. That's all that's left. Well, I still got the. Well, I think at the end, and to be fair, these are all really, really good points. And it's like anything else that we're doing in life. You know, the fact that we're aware of them and the fact that we can take a kernel of truth from them and put them in. But awareness is the most important because our brains and our ability to think is it's a very taxing issue. I mean, I think I kind of want to sum up is that we don't really appreciate how hard it is to think. because it requires us to make decisions, it requires us to spend energy, and it's much easier, you know, to not. And so it's easier to follow the crowd <laughs> right, than to, right, to, right. to, you know, go our own path. It's much easier to just do it, uh, pick A, because A is the first one there, as opposed to being discerning. And I think, you know, really what we're talking about is that appreciate that some of our best decisions come from being discerning. But we also have to appreciate that it is a taxing event on us. Just as if you were working out all day, you would need rest periods. So does right. your brain. And it so also needs some help. It's like the allostasis in a seven and yes. a half lessons, Boy, right? That's, that it's, fancy $3 word you keep on budget. using. I love it. I love that word so very much. But we have to budget, right? Yeah. And so like making these choices like, oh God, I did. it's like chicken or steak for dinner. Like if you're not a meat eater. Or, you know, right. pasta, right? Oh my God. Like just pick one. That's what I tell my I kids. Cause it's like, I don't want to waste my time. I always wear a black shirt. I'm not going to do that. I love color. Um, so right. just pick where you're going to have the same things happen all the time so that you don't waste that energy. But yep, <laughs> it is just all about budgeting. And, you know, when something's important, if, if you're moving or whatever, um, take the time to put in that effort to, you know, do some yoga, go running, take a long shower, pose the question to you, you know, all of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, all will hopefully lead you to um, thinking better and making better choices for, you know, really an optimal life. Cause you can, we can have that. We're fortunate. So I want to thank you, Glenn, so much. I thank you, Glenn, for joining us. I'm very sad we didn't hear your beautiful voice today, um, but that's okay. Cause last, you know, yesterday I had my own little internet issues. Thank you all for being flexible with today. Sean, always, I love being with you on this podcast. We will see you next week. Next week we'll be talking about, which I cannot believe we have not covered yet, um, idea creation. Where do ideas come from and how to create better ideas? And so definitely go listen to the Thinkers Manifesto podcast. It's amazing for the whole process, why we suck at thinking and how to get better at it and all these little tips and tools along the way to help. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.